All righty. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it is uh, great to be in the house. Uh, my wife has cut 10 minutes into my message. And uh, so we're going to be quickly going through this. Real quick, if you wore your PJs this morning, would you please stand up for me? Yes, 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 yes. So here we go. Stand up, keep standing up, keep standing up. Because you were brave enough to wear your PJs to work this morning. You get, you get a little, a little something, some, oops, sorry, that, a little something, something on the house. See, it pays, it pays to have fun at church. See, you wasn't expecting that. And that's what we do here. I bet everybody's going to wear their PJs next time, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for participating in our peaches and pancakes. As Monica said, they are pancakes for everyone. If you did not get some on the way in, uh, it, it, days like today when you do the spring forward, I, I never have a problem with falling back. I always have a problem with springing forward. And no matter how many years they've invented the fact that you get to the clock, automat- your phone automatically updates the time. I don't trust it. I was around the house trying to keep this time and put this on this time. This alarm will ring at this time. I was trying to psych myself out because uh, I just didn't trust it. And so I, got, I get no sleep. I get no sleep on these days. But I'm glad that everyone set their alarms. You all came. Some of you came on time. And, um, but last week we kicked off uh, this brand new series called Re-Gifting. It's a short three-week series, uh, Re-Gifting. And um, if you did not hear... Uh, if you were not here last week, uh, you get the opportunity to to jump on your podcast and uh, listen to the message. We are on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, on the website, you can catch it. And here's the thing, um, we do it, we, you know, we put the podcast out really for you to, to be able to go throughout the week and listen to it listen to the message again, but we also want you to apply the message. This is what it's all about, application. And so we want to listen to it, we want to apply it, and then we want you to share it. Share it on your social media, share it with someone at your work, your co-worker, your classmates, whatever the case, because we believe that what God is doing here is going to impact those around you, all righty? So again, uh, follow on our podcast, you can find it pretty much anywhere. Now, this series is about money, all right? Where what you have come from, what is it for, and why does it matter what you do with it, right? And the consensus out there is, that if you really think about it, the consensus out there is why do churches always talk about, about money? Why do churches always talk about money? Now, I cannot speak. I cannot speak for why other churches or what they're doing. But here at South Hills, we intentionally carve out time uh, to do an entire series on, on money about once or twice a year. We, we believe that it's so important. It's so important to talk about money because it's part of our life. Money, if without money, we, it's hard to exist. It's hard to, to function. It's hard to do things in life. In fact, there are issues directly related to money, right? So we want to talk about it. We want to help you realize that everything that you have is from God. That he gave it to you in order to empower you to expand his kingdom. We want to encourage you to leverage the practice of percentage giving to regularly remind yourselves that God is your priority and that he is your provider. We also want to inspire you to make it your very own personal goal to increase your generosity year after year as you grow in your faith. 
we want to talk about real life as well. And real life involves talking about money. We don't want to avoid the subject of money because the truth of the matter is Jesus didn't avoid talking about it either. He talked a lot about money. He said more about money and materialism than he did about heaven. In fact, he told he spoke 35 parables out of, and out of and out of the 35 parables, 16 of them had to do with money and possessions. So anything that Jesus wasn't silent on, I believe with all my heart that the church should not be silent either. But I do promise you this, our aim here at Southfields is never to shame you or intimidate you or demand anything back from you. We want to educate you and inspire you to leverage what you've got in life to make it worth your life worthwhile. And I hope that you experience that uh, here over the next few weeks. So let's jump right into week two. This morning's message titled, What is Your Priority? What is your priority? Now, I remember back, like, I was in my, I had just finished uh, high school. I was in college, and, um, and I wanted to get the latest video game system. And out there at that time, it was like, you got the video game system because it came with a game, Right? It came with a game, and, and you, you still have that today. They package it, these bundles. But I, I, back then, it was, it was, that was the norm, right? And so I wanted to buy this video game system so bad, I needed to get it in my hands. And finally, I got it. I got the game system. But soon after I got it, I immediately began to feel like, man, I want something else. It's just not enough. This game that came with it absolutely sucks. This game is, right, because back then they gave you the worst game. The one, the, the, it was the worst game. It wasn't like you didn't get modern, you know, Call of Duty with it. You didn't get the good game. You got the cheapy game. You know, you got like Sonic or something, you know, and, and, and the truth of the matter. Sorry if you love Sonic. God, I got offended so quickly here. God, but I wanted something more. I wanted something better. Anybody ever experienced something like that? I believe we all have this fear that, that fear deep down inside that says, man, I'm nervous. I'm nervous that I'm, going, I'm not going to have enough. I'm nervous that, 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 that it's just not going to satisfy me, that, that I, it, it's just not, I'm not going to have enough. And there's a lot of reasons for that. It could be that, that you grew up poor and you don't, you don't want that for your kids. It could be that you're almost near retirement and you're just not sure how it's all going to work out. It could be that you're so far in debt that you don't, you don't know how to stay on top of the payments that you might, your fear of losing everything, that, that the job that you're in, if you don't keep up with the latest trends and the, and the latest things, that they're just going to kick you to the curve. It could, it, you know, it's that, that so many things are stacked up against you, Right? That you don't know how to figure it out. That there's someone that you really like and that you want to, to spend some time with and that you eventually want to marry, but you need money to make that happen. But here's the thing, church. More than anything else, more than anything else in this world, we worry about money. We feel anxious about money. We fight about money. For many people saying there is no money, right? There is no money is a scarier thought than saying there is no heaven. Think about that. So much of our lives are attached to money 
But most of us balk or, or take exception to the idea that our lives are ultimately about money. But sometimes that's the way it feels. How many of us have stayed on a job we hated because we needed the money? How many of us have put, in a, have been, have put up with an abusive relationship because at least the bills got paid? How, much of, how many of us have sacrificed precious time with the people that we love so that we can have a little bit more money? When we look at these things in the context of our life, right, it can start to feel like I thought I, thought I was in charge, but, but maybe, maybe I'm not. Is, is, is money in charge of me? Can that, can that be real? Can that be the situation I'm in right now? Is it serving me or am I serving it? Is it serving me or am I serving it? Now, pretty much ever since the very existence of money came to be, people have felt this way about money. And one of the things that Jesus is most famous for uh, saying about this this concept of money and this concept of idea is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. If you have your Bibles, open it up. If not, it's on the screen. And it says, no one, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That last sentence right there says, you cannot serve God and be enslaved. That word enslaved is a very strong word. That word enslaved signifies or means that, that you're being held prisoner. You're being held captive. You're being held to, to, to limited by money. The word translated here as master means one who is in charge by virtue of ownership. Right? It also is often translated as Lord. Now, I know for many of us, the impulse is to push back and say, not me. I don't know what you're talking about. That has nothing to do with me. I don't have any masters. Not me. I'm my own person. I'm in charge of my life. Right here. I'm in charge of my life. I'm in charge. I make the decisions. I'm in charge of this. I do what I want. Do you really? Are you in charge? It's interesting that of all the things that Jesus warns us that we'll be tempted to serve, he doesn't mention the devil. He doesn't mention evil. He mentions money. Of all the things that he talks about being enslaved to and imprisoned by, he decides that it's so important to mention Money. Jesus knows the pursuit of money, your paranoia of, uh, of, of not having enough, is the biggest competitor to your heart. It's the thing most likely to tear you away from God. It is the thing most likely to put separation between you and God. Again, you might be sitting here today and say, no, nah, not money, not me, not happening, no way. Can't be talking about me. 
But what Jesus is saying here, pretty much more than anything else, we are tempted to make money our top priority. More than anything else, we're tempted, we're going to be tempted to make money our top priority. And so the question Jesus is asking us here is, do you have your money or does your money have you? Do you have your money? Are you in control of your money? Are you telling your money what to do? Or is your money telling you what to do? Again, some of you might be sitting here saying, but I don't have enough for it to have me, Pastor. I like to. I like to. It'd be great to feel what that's like. Uh, but Jesus must be talking about some other people because he's definitely not talking about me. Not this person. Uh-uh. So who is he talking to here? Who is he referring? Who is he referencing? Well, he's talking to the people that order things on Amazon just because. Jesus is talking to the types of people who want to go to the mall to get what? I don't know. But when I see it, I'll get it. Hmm. He's talking to the people who go into their closet and stare at an entire room built just for clothes and say, I have nothing to wear. Oh, my. In other words, he is talking to everyone, not just, not just those who have more than you. In fact, even by the standards of their, of their day, back in the day, even by those standards, most of Jesus' original audience would have been quite poor, not having enough resources. We can also sit here today and think, this isn't a problem for me. I got it. I understand it. That's not me. But think about this. How much easier is it to trust God with your sin than it is to trust him with your money? Think about the decisions you make in life. How much easier it is to trust God with your sin than it is to trust him with your money? What's up with that? How much easier is it to trust him with your sorrows, with your eternity, with your health, than it is to trust him with your money? Not my money. Not my money. Not my stuff. Think of the logic here. God, I trust you with my cancer diagnosis. I trust you with my kids. I trust you to help me on the worst day of my life. I trust you where I go when I'm going to die. But I'm not quite sure, Lord, if I can trust you with my money. That seems just a little bit above your pay grade, God. I don't think you can handle my money, God. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold it. I'm going to manage it. I'm going to control it. I'm going to make the decisions of it. You take care of everything else. But my, my money, God, I'm holding on to it. I'm going to make the decisions here about my money. Does that make any sense? Church, here's the truth. If you won't trust God with your money, then you haven't really given God your heart. That's the truth right there. It's out your amen. 
But that's the truth. If you cannot trust God with your resources, with your money, then you haven't really given your heart to God. But I want to tell you this morning, there's good news. The situation isn't hopeless. Jesus gives us a way to keep this problem at bay. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. How do you keep money from becoming your main priority? You prioritize something above money. If you're here this morning and money is your main goal in life, Everything that you do, every decision that you make revolves whether you have, have not, have enough, don't have enough money. And the truth of the matter is, God is not your priority. So how do we change that? How do we we keep money from being the main priority? You have to put something above it. Something bigger than you. Something worthwhile. Something that's all about his kingdom. How do you know if something is a priority? Well, simple. You put it first. You do it first. You pay it first. You schedule it first. If you're forced to make cuts, it's the last thing to go. And not just some of the time, but it's all of the time. You see, when we put God first in our lives, it means that we're putting God first. We do him first. We pay him first. We schedule him first. When we force to make cuts in our lives, that is the last thing to go. It's not just some of the time. It is putting God first all of the time. In other words, God isn't your top priority if you gave a $50 offering to BOW last Christmas. That's not your priority. So I ask, what is your priority? If you're honest with yourself, you might not like the truthful answer. If we're honest with ourselves, we might not like the truthful answer. You might say, my job, my house, my kids on their three travel teams, my current wardrobe, my nice vacations, redoing the kitchen, the bathroom, the closet, more clothes. But here's... Here's the sad thing. None of us want to get to the end of our life and be forced to admit what it was really about. That it was about accumulation. It was about consumption. It was about upgrades. It was about fashion. It was about a house full of stuff. Think about that. At the end of your life, when your life comes to an end, Is that what you want your life to amount for? The consumption, the the upgrades, the fashion, all of it. Church, if we don't decide to align in advance, to align our actions with what we want our life to be about, our culture will make that decision for us. In other words, if we don't decide now, if we don't begin to pray that will eventually lead to thoughts, that would eventually lead to action. If we don't decide in advance to align our actions with how we want to be known for what we did in life, the very society, the very culture that we live in will make the decision for you. 
It will tell you what to do with your money. It will tell you what to buy. It will tell you to get this, to get that. Now, this, this, this may sound harsh, right? Some of you have not smiled in, in the last five minutes, right? Some of you, so like, oh, boy, here he is. But, but that's the truth of the matter. This is real talk. This is straight talk, right? It requires something most of us don't feel too good about. It requires us to do something that we don't want to do. It requires for us to practice something that we don't want to practice, and that is self-control. But again, when it comes to the things of God, there's always good news. See, it is a gift that God wants to give you. Galatians 5, to 23. Galatians chapter 5 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So God is saying, man, I'm aligning these things for you. This is something that, that you can be given, self-control. But here's the thing. Self-control is worth its weight in gold. Like all fruit, it has to be cultivated. It has to be cultivated. We talk about this in our Discover 2 class coming up next week uh, on spiritual disciplines. We're going to take a TV time out on this, right? Right? You like that? I know you do. I want to embed this face when you sleep at night. Like, and they, they come tapping you. They're going to see me right there, right? Listen, Discover 2, if you already just done Discover 1, this is what we're going to be talking about in Discover 2. We're going to talk about these things about our faith and how do we grow and the things that we as, 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 as believers, as Christians, are walking into what the areas of our lives that we need to mature and grow in. And we're going to be talking about that. So if you have not signed up, you need to sign up uh, in the connection booth for Discover 2. Okay, TV time back in. The fruit needs to be cultivated. Here's the thing. Only God can make the sunshine, right? Only God can make it rain. However, you are the one that has to plant the seeds, till the soil, soil and pull the weeds. You have to cultivate that. If you want to see godly fruit grow in your life, you have to partner with God in that process. You have to take the necessary steps in growing as a walk. Sundays, how, I tell my team in the morning when we, we, when we meet, I say, I love Sundays. I, I, love, I absolutely look forward to Sundays. I get to see everybody that I don't get to see on a regular basis. But I will tell you this, that if you're just walking your faith on Sundays, gas, by Tuesday, you'll be done. It's just not enough on Sundays. There are things that you have to do throughout the week that need to cultivate that growth in your life. There's word, the scripture has to be read in your home. You have to carve out time to read the word of God. You have to carve out time to, to pray. You have to get into a growth group. You have to listen to worship music. You got to do things throughout the week to help you grow spiritually. This body right here, Right? This physique did not grow to its potential by starving myself. <laughs> FYI. I had to feed it to get this good. 
And it's the same thing in our spiritual walk. You want to grow in your spiritual walk, you got to feed it. You got to cultivate it. You got to do something to grow. And Sundays, coming to church on Sunday, though it's a start for some of us. It's a good start. And, I, and keep it coming. But for those who have just been coming to Sunday, Sunday, only Sundays, there has to be more and you got to do your part. So how do we gain control of our money instead of allowing it to control us? God's followers in the Old Testament recognized this tendency or this temptation. And to fight against it, they participated in an ancient practice called tithing. If you open up your Bibles in Numbers 18, chapter 18, verse 25 to 29, it says, The Lord also told Moses, Give these instructions to the Levites. When you receive from the people of Israel the tithes I have assigned at your, as your allotment, give a tenth of the tithes you receive, a tenth of the tithe to the Lord as a sacred offering. Verse 27, the Lord will consider this offering to be your harvest offering as though it were the first grain from your own threshing floor or wine from your own wine press. You must present one-tenth of the tithe received from the Israelites as a sacred offering to the Lord. This is the Lord's sacred portion, and you must present it to Aaron the priest. Be sure to give it to the Lord. Be sure to give to the Lord the best portions of the gifts given to you. Friends, here's the... Here's the skinny, here's the nitty-gritty, here's the bottom line to tithing. Jot this down, take a picture of it. Tithing is giving your best to God first to remind yourself that he is your provider and your priority. You mean it doesn't go to, 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 to Pastor E's direct pocket? No, this is really about you. This has everything to do about you. Tithing is giving your best to God first to remind yourself that he is your provider, your priority. Friends, God doesn't need this reminder, but we do. Because if you don't learn to master your money, if you don't learn to master your money, money will become your master. Let me wrap this up here. So what now, Pastor E? Where do we go from here? What's our next step? Church, here's how we apply today's message to our lives. Practice percentage giving to keep your priorities in order. My suggestion is that you pick a percentage, right? You pick a percentage and work your way up to 10%. Maybe 10% is a big bite right now. Though that is what is written in Scripture, that is what we are to follow. Maybe that's just way too much for you right now. You've never done this before. You've never given God of the first fruits. And you're trying to figure this out. 10% is a lot. It's a big number. And that's okay. I get it. I, I've been where you, you, you're at. If you ask my wife, I struggled with this at the very beginning of my journey with God. I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't connect the dots. Couldn't figure it out. And the truth of the matter, this could be a nerve-wracking thing for you if money controls you. That's the truth of the matter. If money controls you, this, this could be a very difficult thing. But we at South Hills want to help you in this process because we believe so strongly 
about this principle of giving, tithing. I'm going to have the ushers pass out these cards to you. It's a 90-day challenge. It's a 90-day challenge card. This applies to everyone in the room regardless of where you are in your approach to giving. Card is being passed out to you. Freddie, when you get a chance, I'll take one when you're, when you're done. When you finish passing, okay, I'll get one from Monica. We even took out the time to make it nicely preparated for you. All right? It's called the 90-Day Challenge, and it's real simple. Inside the card says, why a giving challenge? It says, God asks his people to give to his work on the multiple occasions throughout Scripture in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. He is always elected to partner with people to accomplish his purposes here on earth. And while resources are required to bring vision to life, it's not your money God is ultimately after. It's your heart. It just so happens that the two are intertwined. It's impossible to hand over one while hoarding the other. It's how humans are wired. This 90-day challenge is a way of giving, of giving, giving a try on training wheels, a trial basis. The experiment with this life-changing spiritual discipline. So here, here's, here's the different levels of this, right? If you are, I'll work, I'll work my way from the top down. If you are, I can work it away on the other way. If you have never given before, never tied before, we want you to take this challenge. I want you to begin to challenge. Maybe today the, your first step is saying 3%, 5%. 7%. Maybe not just there yet. But one of those percentages, I want you to start there. If you were giving less than your, your, your finances, if you were giving less than your 10%, I want to challenge you to step it up and start giving 10%. If you're at the level where I've been given 10%, I've been given my tithing, I want you to take the next step and say, I'm going to give to BOW, inclusive to my tithing. If you've been giving your tithing and you say, you know, I've given here and there to BOW, I want you to now take the next step and give often to BOW. I think I covered all the bases, right? Now here's the thing. Here's the, here's, it's a challenge, right? It's a challenge that you begin for 90 days for you to do this. And here's, here's what's what South Hills is going to do. If within those 90 days of you stepping it up and taking this challenge and you don't see God doing something significant, something incredible, you don't see the benefits of your giving of this spiritual discipline, we will give you your money back. We will give you your money. No questions asked. We'll log it in. As you give in, and within those 90 days, if you do not see God do something in your life, move in your life, and you say, man, this doesn't work for me, then you come see me, and we'll give you your money back. You see, this is not about how much you give. 
This is about walking in your faith. This is about trusting God with everything. This is about making God your priority, not your money. I've seen God do incredible things the very moment I began to give him my first fruits. My God has not failed me. I gave my heart at 27 to Jesus. I am 45 today, and God is taking me to places, has provided for me for things that I or myself could not have done. Simply because I trusted God with everything. My money is not my money. He provides for me. He puts food on my table. He puts the clothes on my back. He puts the roof on my head, over my head. He provides everything that my family and I need. So I trust him. I trust him with my first fruits. I trust him when I go above and beyond. I don't need a 90-day challenge because I trust God with everything. Back we were talking about this last night. Are we willing to take the next step of faith? Yes, it's scary on the other side. Yes, it's scary when you don't know what will happen. Yes, it's scary when you have to give up something that you've already laid claim to, something that you were doing with it already. And God is saying, man, if you would just cut from the very beginning, before you start spending it, before you start doing something with it, if you would just trust me with your resources. Malachi says, if you would just test me in this. And that's what we're doing. We're testing God. He says, see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and begin to pour out a blessing, you won't even be able to contain it. Woo! That's exciting for me. That's for you who are sleeping on me. So, I'm going to close with this. I will not shame you. I will not force you. I will encourage you. Fill out your name, all the information on there. Check one of those boxes. I'm going to have one of the ushers come back up. And you could put it in a little basket there. But I want to encourage you to take this 90-day challenge. And maybe, okay, maybe I'm not ready just yet, Pastor. I got to pray about it. That's cool. I get it. We should pray about all things. Maybe you still need some time to let this process. There's a lot coming coming from Pastor E this morning. I get it. So you hold on to that card. Next week as we wrap up our series on re-gifting, as we close it up, hopefully you'll be ready to drop that card in. And if you're not, that's cool as well. I don't think there's not a store in this world that has a better return policy than, than what I just gave you. 90 days. 90 days of giving God your best and see what God does.